0: And so with this group tonight, we're well over 400, I'm sure. Uh, So God is blessing this this, uh, church and blessing this service. And so I'm so pleased that you're a part of it. I mean, really, where else can you go to church and get coffee and cake? (laughs) Come on, where else? I mean, what a a great church. So uh, I'm so pleased that you're here with us. Uh, And we're going to ask God, we're going to open up with uh, a prayer Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, I thank you for these dear people who have a hunger for your word, Lord, and want to study your word. Lord, you know their pains. You know their, their, their issues. Uh, you know those who are sick, Lord. And so I ask you right now that within this congregation that you touch those and uplift them, those who are hurting and need healing in every possible way. Even those whose spirits are hurting, Lord, and are, are depressed because of recent events. I ask you that you lift that spirit of sadness and replace it with a spirit of joy, Lord. I ask you that you touch every single person. And now, Lord, I ask you that you touch this lesson. Let this lesson be inspired by the Holy Spirit. Let it come from your lips, Lord, to our heart, as we put all of this in Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. I'm gonna speak to you tonight about an important issue that affects all of us as Christians, and that is unanswered prayer. Unanswered prayer. What happens when we as Christians pray month after month and sometimes year after year and we don't seem to have our prayers answered? Uh, Has God really not hearing us? Is he not listening to us? And I want to assure you that that's not the case, that God hears every one of your prayers when you are a godly Christian man or woman. I want you to understand that. But I want to give you a practical example of why sometimes God doesn't answer your prayer and it involves me, and several years ago, you remember when Hurricane Irma was bearing down on Naples. I was in California, and I had a heavy heart because I was watching the Weather Channel, and it was clear that the uh, hurricane was gonna hit point blank right in the middle of Naples, and so all I had was I'm in California, my heart is breaking for my friends and my church, and people are gonna suffer greatly, so I got on my knees and I made this prayer, Lord Jesus, Please, just take this storm and move it 10 miles off the coast. 10 miles off the coast. Now, if you were a meteorologist, you would know that that was the most stupid prayer you could make. <laughs> because if God actually heard that prayer, all of Naples would be under 8 feet of water. You understand? 8 feet of water. And that's really what, what, what would have happened. And that's the point of how God listens to us. He knows that some of the things that we're asking for make no sense because he sees the future, he sees eternity. And so we have to have confidence in him that he loves us, that he lifts us up, that he cares for us. He would never, ever do anything that would be untoward uh, in terms of our lives. And so that's kind of the lesson that I want to drill down to you today. Um, And so I want to make a couple of introductory comments so that you understand this, this foundational principle about prayer, and that is... When a wicked person prays, God rarely listens to the prayer of a wicked person. It's that simple. Uh, And if you want an example of that, turn in your Bibles to Psalm 18. Psalm 18, verse 40. This is a, a, a psalm of David. You made my enemies turn their backs in flight, and I destroyed my foes. They cried for help, but there was no one to save them. To the Lord, but he did not answer them. So even though they were praying to the Lord, asking for for God to help him, his enemies, they were not, their prayers were unanswered. Uh, And so that's a lesson for us. We also know that the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. That's right out of Proverbs chapter 15. Um, And so there are instances, however, when uh, unrighteous people, ungodly people, have had their prayers answered. And one of the more notable cases of that is in Jonah, when Jonah was sent to Nineveh and, and said to the king of Nineveh, if you don't repent, God's going to wipe out the city. And the king of Nineveh immediately repented, and so did the people, and God spared that city. So what does it mean? It means that when there's a prayer of repentance, even by wicked people, people that don't know God, if there's a prayer of repentance, God will answer that prayer. But he will not, as a general rule, answer Uh, the prayer of evildoers. And so I want you to understand, however, that he's going to answer every single one of your prayers. You're godly people. And so he's going to answer your prayers. And his answers are yes, no, and sometimes not yet. Not yet. And often that's that's kind of uh, one of the harder things to understand, the not yet. Because some of us can pray for month, after month, after month, and the answer doesn't come through. And I, want, I just want to give you a couple of scriptures that you can read that will affirm you in this regard. Turn to 1 Peter, chapter five. 1 Peter, chapter five, verse six. Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. there's the promise. God loves you. He cares for you. So rely on him. And when you pray for him, it's you're praying to your father who cares for you in every possible way. I want you also to look at Matthew chapter 7. Uh, again, Jesus speaking on this issue. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. This is on the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, find. And to him who knocks, the door will be open. Then Jesus goes on to add this important note. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. And so there you see Jesus outlining the paradigm of prayer. Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and it will be opened. Knock, and you will find. And so the point of that is, Lord, teach me to pray the way the Lord's prayer said. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Meaning, Lord, your will. Your kingdom and everything that I do, let it be your will. Every prayer that I I make, Lord, let it be in your proper thing, proper will. Uh, Look also now uh, at Matthew 6 while we're there. Matthew 6, uh, verse 10. And again, this is Jesus speaking about the Lord's prayer. This is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Notice, nobody is saying, give me money, give me power, give me a job, give me a house. I don't see that in this prayer. You understand? God, give me what I need, Lord not what I want. You know what I need, Lord, and direct my paths. Keep me from evil, protect me, Father. And as I walk, let me walk in your will. Let it be your will in this world. Uh, And so God knows that sometimes we're not praying for things the way we should pray for things, that we're looking at it from a selfish perspective. For some of us, we have made God our hotel concierge, right? I need this, one more big paycheck, a little bigger house would be good, I need a new car, you understand. All these things that you, frankly, God really doesn't care about. He cares about your soul and about your walk in the kingdom of God. And so we have to ask God to give us the strength to walk that way. Now, one of the, one of the great examples uh, of, of God teaching us to pray and what prayer means Uh, to a godly man, is found in the life of Paul. And I'm going to use a couple of examples today uh, of Paul. And specifically, I want to talk about the thorn in the flesh that he suffered. If you would turn, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Mm -hmm. verse 7. Let's understand what, what this verse is about. He has just been given one of the great visions that anybody would ever see. God took him and brought him up into heaven. And so he saw effectively the third heaven. He saw what it will be like in eternity. He had that vision. Now you can imagine if you're an earthling and you saw that. How you might become conceited. How you might have a big head. And you might go around and say, wow, look at what I did. How great I must be. And so look at what he says here. In 2 uh, Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Now look, this guy is the greatest evangelist in the history of the world. He will effectively write 50% of the New Testament. And this guy is asking God to heal him three times for some selfish reason? No, because he wants to preach effectively. He wants to give the message of God. And yet this condition in his mind is keeping him from doing that. Theologians believe he had an eye condition so that if you looked at him, it would would not be a pleasant thing to see. And he believed it affected his ministry. But God basically said, my grace is sufficient for you. Three times he prays, and yet God doesn't answer that prayer. Why? Because God had a greater call on his life. God had a greater purpose in his life. And so here's God molding this man and allowing this man to become the greatest evangelist in the history of the world, even to the point that he doesn't answer this prayer. So what does it mean? It means this, that some of you have been praying for some time for certain answers in your life. And sometimes God says yes, and sometimes God says no, and sometimes God says not yet. Not yet. But in every case, he hears you. He hears you. And so that's what I want you to know today. He hears you. I uh, look at the example of Zechariah and Elizabeth who prayed for years for a child. And now they were old. And an angel comes and tells them they will now have a child who will become John the Baptist. But think of all those years that they prayed for and that prayer wasn't answered. And yet they remained faithful. in in so many ways. And so one of the things that Jesus has given us is an example of what God looks for in terms of persistent prayer. Persistent prayer. That's a prayer without ceasing. I was really recently with a a dear relative of mine who's been suffering greatly some physical pains, and and I told him, I will pray for you persistently. I will not stop. I will not stop. Because I know God is is calling me to continue this prayer. And that's the promise that God makes to us. I want you to turn to Luke chapter 18. Luke 18. This is the story of the unjust judge. All right. This is an ungodly, despicable man. And Jesus uses him to explain and make a paradigm for us as to how we should pray. And so Jesus uses this. This parable where a widow keeps going before this judge asking for justice and he blows her away. He doesn't listen to her. He has no interest in hearing from her. And yet she comes back day after day after day. And I want you to turn to verse four there. This is Luke 18, verse four. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though, and this is Jesus saying this about this unjust judge. Even though I don't fear God or care about men, Yet, because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. All right. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. How about that? So that's the promise of God. He wants you to be persistent in your prayer to show him that you're asking him to enter into your life and to touch your life in so many ways. Now, I want to give you the paradigm now as we study the issue of unanswered prayer. I want to use the life of Paul in a specific example. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 1, verse 13. And in this verse, you're going to see Paul has, want, have, uh, has had a desire to visit the Romans for some time. He wanted to go see them. He was aware of that church. Uh, but he could not. And he talks about that uh, in this passage. Romans chapter 1, verse 13. Okay, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I planned many times to come to you, that, that, I, that have been many times to come to you that have been prevented from doing so Until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I have had among the other Gentiles. In other words, I've been praying that I can come to you because I want to preach to you. I want to give you spiritual gifts. I want to open up the word of God. And the answer's been no, 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 no. So why is it that prayer, the prayer of a godly man, the prayer of an apostle? Why would God... Why would God not answer a prayer like that? This isn't a prayer about making me rich, making me wealthy, making me powerful, making me more comfortable. That's not that kind of a prayer. This is a prayer, Lord, I wanna go and and teach your people. And yet the answer is no. The answer is no, all right? And so here's the thing, As as we understand it, Paul's prayer was a proper prayer, meaning he was praying for the right motive. He was praying on the, based on the atoning work of Jesus. So in that sense, it was perfect. Third, he was, he was also praying for the right things. He wasn't looking to feather his own nest. He wasn't looking for prestige. He was looking to help the people of God. He wanted to assist in their spiritual growth. It was an entirely worthy and spiritual motive. Yet he was prevented from coming. He was prevented from coming. God did not allow him to come. Now, Paul doesn't give us an answer. He doesn't give us an explanation, uh, And so the, the thing is, he tells us, I, want, I planned on coming to you many times, but I was prevented. So the question is, why does God sometimes not answer even a perfectly proper prayer? Why not? Why not? Well, there's a number of answers. First of all, uh, God's, this is God's way of teaching us that we are not as necessary to the work as we think we are. Oh, you know what I mean by that. Oh, yes, I'm an important person in the kingdom of God. If I don't step up, the whole work is going to collapse. No, it won't. No, it won't. No, God will use you. And if God doesn't call you for a specific purpose, he'll call somebody else. None of us are indispensable to the work of God. None of us. All right. None of us, only Jesus. All right. And so first things first is God is teaching Paul. Yes, you are a great servant. Yes, you've seen many great things. Yes, you are unbelievably talented. But no, you're not indispensable to the work. I can I can bless that Roman church even while you're not there. And bless that Roman church. He did uh, in a very powerful way. The second reason why a perfectly proper prayer might not be answered, is that God may have other things for us to do. In other words, there's other work for us to do. Lord, help me. I want to go to Africa because I think I'm called to go to Africa. Please, Lord, open the door for me to go to Africa. And and here's the thing. God knows that if he sent you to Africa, most likely the work would be sent back a 100 years. He understands this. He knows who you are. He knows your limitations, even though you don't know your limitations. But he does. And so here, Paul had a tremendous ministry going on in Asia and in Europe and in Greece. Uh, God was using him powerfully. Gentiles were coming to the Lord in incredible numbers. And so the question was, it was not time for him to go to Rome. There would be a time for him to go, but the time was not now. That God had another work for him to do. And this is how God is teaching us to pray in our lives. And I would say this, if you don't, if you leave here tonight knowing this and not picking up anything else, I want you to remember this. The walk of a Christian man and woman is predicated on the prayer Lord, lead me where you want me to go. Open the doors that you want me to walk through and close the doors, close the doors. Uh, where you you don't want me to go. I have a a dear cousin who's a brilliant young man uh, and has has got qualifications to go to the best universities in the United States. Uh, And he wants to go to one of those universities. And he asked me if I would pray for him. I said, yes, I'm going to pray, however, that God opens the door where he wants you to go. Okay? I don't want you to go to some school just because you may have the qualifications to go to the school if it's not God's will for you to go to that school. I want you to go to the school where God plans for you to go to the school, where it's his will for you to go to the school. And that's how you have to lead your life. That is the nature of how God wants us to pray. That's the nature of having prayers that are answered. When you bow in submission before the throne of God like that, God honors and raises those kind of prayers in a mighty way. Um, And and so this is important for you to understand this, that this is the will of God. You wanna be walking within the will of God. All right. When I get on my knees and pray, my, my first prayer is, Lord, thank you for all that you've done for me. And now, Lord, what is your will for my life? This church is a perfect example of that. I have prayed for years, Lord, when is it your will that you want me to start this church? When is your will that you want me to start this church? And finally, I knew it was his will when I got a registered letter. <laughs> <laughs> There was no confusion. There was no ambiguity. You understand? God spoke with perfect clarity to my heart. Now is the time. You understand? Now is the time. And that's really an example of how you want to walk in your life. How you, want, how you want to be with Jesus in every step of your life. Lord, help me. Direct my path. Don't let me do something I shouldn't do. Don't let me open my mouth when I shouldn't open my mouth. But direct me in every way that I go. You be with me and lift me up and do that in, in every possible way. Now, there's a third reason why some prayers aren't answered. Uh, and this is spiritual warfare. And I want to explain this to you. You live and we live in an evil place. This world is evil. I know it's hard to say that when you live in Naples, but it's evil. All right. We are walking in evil. And the perfect example of that is when Satan took Jesus up to a high place. Do you remember that? And he said, he looked out at the world. He said, all this, all this is mine. Just bow your knee and I'll give it to you. Did Jesus say, you're a liar? You're a liar? No, no. Jesus didn't say he was a liar because Jesus understood. He's right. He's right. He has a dominion here. He has dominion. So what I'm saying to you is that there are spiritual battles that you sometimes may not even know about, that you're praying for God for some answer, and somehow these spiritual battles are occluding an answer. And I want to give you a perfect example of that. I want you to turn to Daniel, book of Daniel, chapter 10, Daniel, chapter 10. Verse 12, let me set this up. Daniel's been praying, praying for days, uh, and uh, God is now going to speak to him and give him one of the greatest prophecies in the history of the Bible. He's gonna give him the vision of the last days, what will happen to the Jewish people, what will happen to this world uh, as as the days begin to wind down, and if you turn to verse 12, you're gonna see this. So this is Daniel chapter 10, verse 12. Then he continued, and this is the angel now speaking to Daniel. Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Now, the prince of the Persian kingdom, that's often used as a metaphor for a demonic person an evil person, a satanic person. And so this prince of the Persian kingdom, uh, one of Satan's minions, resisted him 21 days. He kept the angel of God coming to give Daniel the answer. Now you say to me, how can that be? I can't give you an answer. I don't understand it. It's the things of the Lord, but I read the Bible and I understand it. Meaning, The power of evil is palpable, palpable. Real, we're walking in a world that is full of evil, and so there you see in that perfect example, the angel himself was kept there, uh, and not able to deliver the message to Daniel until Michael, the archangel, came and freed him. And so, there's that's the process of what we're talking about here about some of the issues why there may be unanswered prayer. Spiritual battles are mysteries to us, all right, because we cannot see the warfare, yet they go on, they go on. And, as, and we are children of God and we are targeted. Let me, let me explain that to you again. Uh, I want you to understand, who does Satan really target? Does he go to people that are bums out in the street who are just dissolute in every way, uh, poor people lost? No, he doesn't bother them. He bothers you. He's bothered because you're coming to church. Some of you have even gone to church twice today. There's a target on you. You see, there's a target on you. Why? Because you're a problem. You understand? You're a problem, to Satan. And if he can knock you off, how much better for him? The evil one's work does better. So you have to understand this. This is part of understanding the kingdom of God and what we face, which is why God wants us to pray constantly. This is why you need to understand the issue of unanswered prayer. And so sometimes unanswered prayer takes place because there's a deficiency in ourselves. What do I mean by that? I mean that sometimes we may have unconfessed sin. This is a big deal. I want you to understand this. This is a big deal. If you have a part of your life that is sinful, outside of the will of God, uh, I'm going to tell you right now, God is most likely not going to answer your prayers. That's like having a blocked artery. The blood is not getting through to the heart. God is not going to answer those prayers uh, because you have unconfessed sin in your life. And can I prove that by scripture? Yes. Turn to Isaiah 59, please. Isaiah 59. It's a powerful passage. I read these verses to my wife, and when I read them, it was just... It made the hair on the back of my neck stand up. Isaiah 59, verse 1. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to say, nor his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. For your hands are stained with blood, your fingers with guilt, your lips have spoken lies, and your tongue mutters wicked things." No one calls for justice. No one pleads his case with integrity. They rely on empty arguments and speak lies. They conceive trouble and give birth to evil. They hatch the eggs of vipers and spin a spider's web. Whoever eats their eggs will die, and when one is broken, an adder is hatched. Is that clear enough? Is that clear enough? You understand? What it is when people give themselves over to evil, even we'll call it iniquity, hidden evil in their heart, all right, hatred, revenge, harshness, persecution, suffering. I don't care who they are. I don't care what position they have. And frankly, some of these people even have positions in church, all right, in church. And God sees the heart and God will not answer those prayers. Make it simple. So if you find yourself, if you find yourself in that position, even if you find yourself having bitterness towards someone, ask God to take that out of your mind. Take it away. If you find yourself having hatred, Lord, deliver me. Don't let me hate anybody, Lord. Don't let me hate anybody. And constantly ask God to wash because your prayers will not be answered. It's unconfessed sin. Really, God is speaking so powerfully to us right now about this very issue. And then, yes, there's another reason why there may be unanswered prayers. Some of us are praying for things with the wrong motives. The wrong motives. Turn to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. Verse 3. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures or i'll say on yourself the hotel concierge concept god one more big payday one more big house one more big vote one more, more one more big vacation all of it about me 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 i i and everything that you've read in the bible is all about him him Lord, what do I need to do, Lord, to advance the kingdom? How can I walk with you, Lord? How can I take this unconfessed sin out of my heart? And so you have to understand that this is the will of God. This is the will of God as to how he's teaching you to pray and how to get your prayers answered. And I want you to have that answer. I want you also to look at Ezekiel chapter 14. Another example of of unanswered prayer, and I I want to focus in on this, because again, it's something we face today. Ezekiel 14, verse 1. Some of the elders of Israel came to me and sat down in front of me. Then the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, these men have set up idols in their hearts and put wicked stumbling blocks before their faces. Should I let them inquire of me at all? Therefore, speak to them and tell them this is what the sovereign Lord says when any Israelite sets up idols in his heart and puts a wicked stumbling block before his face and then goes to a prophet. I, the Lord, will answer him myself in keeping with his great idolatry. I will do this to recapture the hearts of the people of Israel who have all deserted me for their idols now. Here's the thing. At the time that this was written, these idols really were small, little, wooden idols for the most part. But God is speaking to you today about a different kind of idol. Some of you have idols about money. Some of you have idols about vacation. Some of you have idols about affluence. Some of us have idols about power. And some of us have made our families an idol. Oh, John, what do you mean? Here's what I mean. It means you can't put anything ahead of service to God. You understand? God comes first. And if your son or daughter is out of line, don't say to me, oh, I can't say anything, I can't do anything, I'm afraid of my relationship. God is calling you to stand tall. That's the responsibility we have as Christians to stand tall and deliver the word of God. That's an idol. And so when you have idols in your heart, it occludes your prayer life. God looks at that as an occlusion that keeps God from answering your prayer. All right? This is an important thing to understand. Idols in our heart. So how do we do this? We have to ask God, even as we pray, Lord, take anything out of my heart that that is blocking my relationship with you. I want you to be first. I want you to be presiding over everything in my life. I don't want to do a thing, God, that's outside your will. I want to walk with you in everything and every time that I do. And so this becomes an important thing for us to understand how God is directing your paths, how God is telling you how he wants you to live, how every step of your life has to be ordered. And it begins with prayer. Lord, help me. Teach me. Show me. Tell me what I need to do. Tell me where I need to go. Tell me what I need to say in every possible way, Lord. And help me to direct my paths. I want to be your hands. I want to be your feet. And when you pray like that, God will answer that prayer. And let me tell you something else. When you are walking with God, it will be the happiest experience in your life. You will never experience the happiness in any other way when you're called to be a child of God than when you are walking with him when you step out with him, and I can say this without a doubt in my own life, that when I gave up my life for him, when I said, Lord, I will walk with you, I will do what you want me to do. And as he opened my paths and gave me into ministry, I have never been happier in my life. It is the will of God that we walk with him. It is the will of God that we serve him. It is the will of God that we submit to him. And I wanna make this promise to every single one of you. If you make that promise today and leave this building today, you will go out into the streets of Naples and you will be a force because God will use you. He will use you as his hands and feet. You will touch people. You will give ministry to people. You will embrace them. And that's the role of this church. This church is is designed to express the will of love of God. We are called to love people who've been hurt, who've been persecuted, who've been thrown out of church. who have been been treated in the most vile, ungodly way, and God is calling you to embrace them, to stand with them, and love them. That is the will of God. Amen. Amen. I pray that God burns this into your heart, that you have an understanding of, of his will for your life, that as you get on your knees and pray, and by the way, when I say pray, I mean not once a day, but a hundred times a day. Every step that you take, constantly walking and talking with him. You know, you don't have to get a prayer shawl and and, and lay down facing east. All you have to do is have a conversation with God. Have a conversation with God and have it a hundred times a day. And everything you do and he'll answer and he'll give you peace. He'll speak into your life and you will be lifted up and affirmed in a mighty way of God, God's will will be prevalent in your life. Amen? Amen? Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your words. I thank you for this message. Lord, I thank you for these dear people, Father, who have come out to hear your word on a Sunday evening. Bless them, Lord. Bless this word. Let it resonate in their hearts. Let the Holy Spirit touch them and let it grow in every way and empower their life. Let them draw closer to you, Lord, so that when they leave this place, they can go out to Naples in every place and advance the kingdom of God. Bring them back and protect them safely next week, Lord. We put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. I bless you.